This morning, as we look to the Word of God, there are some scriptures I want us to uh, take an inventory of and examine as we think about this morning the subject that I have entitled, Hearing the Word of God. Last week, as I spoke, I ended in my concluding remarks, I uh, quoted a scripture that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when I was asked to speak this morning, the Lord impressed upon me to continue with the thought of the word, of hearing the word of God. And the reason why we need to hear the word of God is that our faith increases as we hear it. There's a Perhaps only one way that we discover the reality of, of God's word, and that's as we look into it and we discover it for our lives. And we're going to be looking at primarily three verses this morning, and they're all written by the same person, coincidentally. Uh, John, the beloved, in his gospel, in his epistle, and then, of course, the final work that he wrote under the inspiration of God was found in Revelation. So, give you a clue here where we're heading. The Gospel of John, the Epistle of John, and Revelation. But before we get there, I wanted, I was reminded of a, of a, of a story I heard about a, a gentleman that was driving down a country road, and all of a sudden, this chicken come running right up beside his car. And he began to wonder, he says, how in the world is that chicken keeping pace with me? And he looked down, and he saw to his amazement that this chicken had three legs. And then the chicken just, zoom, just took right off and sped up ahead, and he saw him cut over and go up a driveway leading back to a farmhouse. So this man thought, i got to find out what's going on here. So he pulled into the driveway, he goes up to the farmhouse, and there he sees the farmer sitting out on his porch. And he gets out and he says, sir, he says, uh, I, I noticed this chicken just, he just ran past my car and he ran into your driveway and up towards your house. He says, uh, what's the deal? He says, he goes, sir, he goes, he goes, I thought of a way to try to, to increase my profits. You see, I raise chickens. And he said, I thought if I would breed chickens to have three legs, that I would get more money. And he says, well, what's the problem then? He goes, well, the problem is I haven't been able to catch a chicken. This morning I have three thoughts that I'd like to share. And it's not about chickens. <laughs> it's about hearing the word of God and how that, that increases our faith as we hear the word of God. In John chapter, the gospel of John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. One of the things that we discover in our lives is that there is the eternal word, the eternal word. You know, there's something to be said about, as John begins this gospel, that we see a very similarity of another portion of scripture found in Genesis chapter one, two. It says this, in the beginning, God. 
It's no wonder that John was trying to convey the simple truth and the reality that in the beginning was the Word. Who was he pointing to? He was pointing to Christ. He was saying that Christ was there in creation and that he was not only with God, as we might say, well, maybe he was in company with God, but he was God, that Christ is very God, that the deity of Christ is being portrayed here, that the eternal word was always in existence. Now, we often speak of it in terms of, we may say, well, he was revealed back then. You know, the thing we have to keep in mind here, folks, is this. God doesn't keep time, all right? I mean, he, he can, but he doesn't deal in time the way we do because he's eternal. Time means nothing to him. It means nothing. So when we think of Christ being with God and being God himself at the moment of creation, yes, there was a moment in time when God said what? Let there be, let there be, let there be. Let us make man in our image. God, the eternal word, through Christ, he was the creator of all things, and he was revealed as the word. John said the word, the, in the Greek, the word is logos. Logos, and that's what the word is being used here. And it means just simply this, the word. <laughs> it's not hard to comprehend. There's another uh, Greek word that's often used, not as much, but it's used in the New Testament. It's called rhema. You may have heard of that word too. There's logos and there's rhema. But in this case, he is the logos, the eternal word. The creator of all things is the word. Jesus Christ was every, in every way God. He is God. And he was there at creation. Now the thing that we have to understand is that the eternal word is never going to dissipate. The all creation may disappear, but the word will always remain. Jesus said, he says, heaven and earth may pass away. But my word, it's always going to last. It's always going to stay. The word is always here with us. The eternal word of God, the scriptures, the Bible, just as Christ is the eternal word in existence from all time and will be in existence for all time. So God's written word, the scriptures, the Bible that we know is here and it's not going away. A lot of people in life have tried to dissipate and take away and destroy the reality of God's word and the scriptures that we see today. They'll tear it apart. They'll pull it apart. They'll say it isn't true. It's not real. But the reality is, it is real. It has more supportive evidence of ancient manuscripts that proves the validity of the scriptures than any other ancient literary work that you can think of. There's more that's been discovered. Science continuously, archaeologists are continually discovering things that prove exactly what the Bible says is true in a, in a historic sense. Now imagine that, that science is proving the reality of God's word, and yet the scoffers and the skeptics 
and the unbelieving people can't accept it as God's word when science is saying it's true. The word will always remain. Creation may disappear. As a matter of fact, when you read in Revelation, you'll discover that this world as we know it, the heavens and the earth are going to disappear. It's not going to be, you know, well, we'll be replaced with the new heavens and the new earth, but, and thankfully we'll be part of all that. But the, th the idea is that the word enlightens something for us that is so beneficial. You see, without the eternal word, we wouldn't have discovered that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was with God and is God unless he came to this earth. The Bible says that, that he came and he dwelt among us. The reality of the incarnation is something to, that is a wonder that we have just celebrated at Christmas, that Christ has come into our world and the world may not receive him, but to those that do receive him, who do they become? They become the sons of God. When you receive Christ, you now are brought into the family of God. The word enlightens the personal nature of God to us, whereby we cry out, Father. Jesus portrayed to us when he came into this world that there was a heavenly father. It wasn't a term that was often used, and we don't read about it in the Old Testament. It's something that Jesus portrayed because of his relationship as God's son. And he revealed to us that he had a heavenly father. He had someone that he used to pray to and seek and allow to direct his life the same way that when we come into fellowship with with God through Jesus Christ and we become a part of his family and we are his sons and we are his daughters. That personal relationship allows us to have that communication, that allows us to have that fellowship, it allows us to have that close relationship with somebody we know that totally is committed to loving us. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us Jesus Christ. The word enlightens to us to the personal nature of God that brings us into a fellowship with him whereby, as the Bible says, we cry out from our hearts. The Spirit prompts us. The Spirit moves us to declare the reality. Abba, Father, the eternal word. Secondly, there is the effervescent word. Effervescent. And that meaning that I put to that means that I chose is lively. In John 6, verse 63, Jesus said these words. He goes, my words, they are spirit and they are life. That's why the word of God is the effervescent word. It brings life into our lives. When you look at, now we want to turn to the epistle of John and read it, the verses I've chosen there. The first epistle of John, chapter 1 again. And I want to begin reading at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, again, the beginning. Notice the theme here. Uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled 
Now think about what John is saying. He's saying, I'm personally, I have personally encountered this. He's saying, I've looked upon it. I've handled it. I've touched it, as we might say. And concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. What is he saying? He's saying that the word who was with God and is God, that word is life. Jesus Christ, the word, he's the effervescent word. He is the living word, as we might say, to our lives. The word reveals the source of our spiritual life. Jesus said it, that my words, they are spirit and they are life. Our life now is revealed uh, in the reality and we see things that we've never seen before because our eyes now have been opened to the reality of our spiritual life in Jesus Christ. The word comes into our life and we discover that the source of life is Jesus Christ himself, the living word. The word provides the necessary substance for our souls. One of the things that Jesus encountered, and we read about this in Matthew chapter 4, in uh, verse 4, in the, in the temptation of Christ. One of the first things that Christ was tempted with was hunger. The Bible says that he was out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He had nothing to eat. After that length of period of time, I think you would be hungry. Right? You'd be starving by that. And what was the first thing that Satan, who came and peered before Christ. Now, can you imagine this? Jesus Christ knew who Satan was. Satan knew who Jesus Christ was. Remember, the eternal word. He was with God. He was God. Who created Satan? Satan was a created being. Do you think that Jesus knew all about Satan? He absolutely did. Do you think that Satan knew all about Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. He knew. Of, they both knew each other. And so when Satan comes and he says, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Now he wasn't saying if as any doubts. He was saying, hey, since you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Satan knew that Christ could do that. He knew he had the power to do that. And he did. But he chose not to. Why did Jesus not want to say to Satan, okay, fine, I'll turn the stones into bread? Because the rest of the verse of Scripture that we read about, and Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy, he said, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. Did Jesus have a need for bread? Yes, he did. Man shall not live by bread alone. Do we have a need for bread? Yes, we do. But he said, that's not all to life. That's not all to living. It's to discover that you need something from God in your life. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, God gives us the thing that we need in our life. He isn't promising you a stone. And it may not always be bread, even though he knows we need bread. Jesus acknowledged that. Man shall not live by bread alone. You need the bread. But you need more in your life. You need the word of God. You need the words of, of God that proceeds from him to come into your life, to fill you with that hunger that only it can satisfy. Bread can satisfy a certain need in your life. The word of God is going to satisfy other needs in your life that have nothing to do with the physical. It deals with the spiritual. The reality is that the effervescent word, the living word, it shows us our source of spiritual life in Christ. It shows us that we need the necessary substance for our soul is the word of God that we need every day. And the word is no longer written on stone, but upon our hearts. You see, when God gave word to Moses, he chiseled it on stone. But now the word of God isn't chiseled on stone somewhere for us to look at, for us to behold. Oh, I know, we hear about all these situations where people are wanting to tear the Ten Commandments out of public buildings. But this isn't that. This is something more. This is the reality that the word of God is just not written on stone. It's placed into the heart of man. That's what we need. We need the word of God to come into our lives in such a way that it produces life. That's the need of the word of God. It comes. It's living, as the Bible says. It's sharp. And finally, as we have seen the eternal word and the evanescent word, we also need to discover that to increase our faith as we hear the word, we need to know that there is the empowering word. The word of God is what? Powerful. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It reaches down. It digs in. But we discover something about that power as we look at the word. And now we're turning to Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. I alluded to this scripture last week in, when I spoke, and today I, I felt led to come back to it and look into it a little more. And so as we do, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, he says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judged and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was dipped, his clothes, clothed, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes forth a sharp sword, that with it, he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. 
And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. My friends, if you're not partial to horses, get ready. Get ready. You're going to be riding the white one someday. Hallelujah. We're going to be following our King and our Lord who's going to be on a white horse. And he's going to come to, to rule. He's going to come to defeat because the empowering word. The Bible says he is the word of God. That's who he's called. And when he comes, he's going to bring all the power of heaven with him. But yet, the only thing that has to come out of his mouth is what? A sword to defeat all the armies of the earth. All the power of God just out of the words that will be spoken by Christ. You see, when God spoke the word in the beginning, he created. When God spoke and put life into us, into the human race, he breathed into man. When the Holy Spirit moves and breathes upon the heart of a child of God, it produces life. The breath of God comes, and it comes forth with power. The empowering word, the power that is demonstrated in the name, the word of God. It's amazing that this thought of the word of God is brought to us over and over and over again. That Jesus Christ is being revealed as the word. It's the power that diminishes the darkness. That's one of the things that the power, when it's turned on, guess what? Darkness flees. You flip on a light, where does the darkness go? It's gone. It vanishes. Do you ever, you ever stop to think why that happens? I don't really know. Why does light illuminate? But it does. Why does God in his word illuminate? Why does it take the deeds of darkness and reveals them? How does it reach down into the heart of man and allows them who lives that have been on the way of destruction, who are on the road of perdition, and how that, that light, when it's illuminated and comes into a life, can change? It's a miracle. It's supernatural. It's only what God can do. The empowering word that comes, the word of God, that name of Jesus, when it's spoken, it diminishes the darkness. It destroys the work of the enemy. It comes and gives us the victory that we need in our lives. See, that's what Jesus was trying to say when he told Satan, and as he, and as he quoted a scripture, he was giving each and every one of us an example of how we respond to the enemy, how we respond to discouragement, how we respond when we feel defeated. We quote the word of God. We proclaim the promises of God. It was Jesus who gave us that example for victory in our lives. Victory over temptation for Christ was to say what? Quote the scripture. 
He quoted out of, as a matter of fact, in all the other temptations that, that Satan presented to him, he in each and every case, he quoted the scriptures from the Old Testament. The same way that we have power for victory in our lives today is through the Word of God. We need to read, we need to listen to, we need to meditate upon and speak the words of life. Allow God to speak to you from His Word and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life. As you get into the Word, let the Word of God get into you. The good seed planted in the good ground produces a great harvest. Our faith increases as we hear the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that we rejoice in the reality of the Word of God. First and foremost is Christ. He is the everlasting Word. He is the one who has allowed us to be alive today for us to hear the Word of God and for us to allow the Word of God to work in each of our lives. Lord, I thank you for the journey that each of us can take as we, as we look into your Word, Lord. There's so many ways that we can accomplish that in our lives, Lord. We can sit down and we can read and from your scriptures. We can listen to the Word on, on our phones, on, on the Internet, whatever we choose to use, Lord, to get into your Word, Lord. Let's do that. Let's make a goal of, of seeking after your word and allowing it to get into our lives. Because we want to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to be just full of the word that we can speak that word and let others be and know and understand who you are. I thank you, Father, for this day. We rejoice, O oh God, in the reality of your truth, O oh God, because that truly is the only thing we have, is your word. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.